Hello, everybody. Welcome to Standard Definition, the retro nostalgia podcast here on the Boss Rush Network. I am your host, Corey Deering, and alongside me to talk about our first topic ever on this reimagining of Standard Definition, we'll say. So our previous episodes, you can go listen to the same show, so whatever. <laughs> Joining me to talk about our first ever topic, Ghostbusters is none other than Ghostbusters super fan, the wise Wisconsinite, Mr. Jesse Douglas. How's it going, everyone? Also, Ghostbusters super fan, the mad pharmacist, Stephanie Klimov. Who are you going to call? Oh, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> also, also in this fourth chair, this is a guy who watched it casually and made fun of me for not watching it. I, I, I will make fun of you this entire episode, bro. That's fine. The joy. The joy. Jo- the joy of EXP cast. Stoy Jovich. There it is. Because <laughs> he was Hi. on Arsenal X for four months and never corrected me. Because yeah. I'm a white yeah. American and sp- pronounce it exactly how it's spelled. You Western, you Western Caucasian people. Yeah. I know. Just... Gosh. <laughs> whatever it just is what it is you midwestern corn fed piece of oh, garbage good. Well, i feel better now because every time Corey said jovic i'm like i don't think you say the j but what do i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i always lo- I, I i always try to tell people like you know if, if you could say stoyanovich you could say my name because that's my name like if you cut that in half stoyanovich so okay mm-hmm. so that's a that's an exercise. So Corey, you can go sit in the mirror mm. after this episode and just say Stoyanovich twenty times. Mm, probably not. Slow it down. I have speed to it up. Slow it down. Speed it up. I have to set up our Patreon we'll RSS feed after this because uh, set up your Patreon. I haven't done and that. And then uh, stay say Stoyanovich once every thirty seconds. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, you'll get it. Speaking speaking of that. No. Anyways. Anyways. Are you gonna do it? You shut your Are mouth. You're gonna do it. Are you, you know going to do I'm it? No, do. I'm not going to shut my mouth until <laughs> you say you're going to okay. do it. Okay, so I want, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this also. <laughs> Ready? Here we go. Fine. So standard <laughs> definition has been here, what? We've tried two separate times to do the show. One was kind of like how we're going to do it now, and the second time was kind of not this, right? It kind of was what the Boss Rush podcast is now. But anyways, if you're listening on January 9th, hello, hi, welcome to our patreon early access episode if you're listening on what's what's 14 days later the 23rd of january hi <laughs> welcome you freeloaders just kidding thank you for listening to the show please don't unsubscribe hi welcome hello future listener yeah future hello, listener future past <laughs> listener i don't know anyways here's the deal we're launching two new shows right and uh we're launching our patreon if you're here listening to this, you're on the ninth. You're already here. Welcome. If not, also welcome. We have a Patreon. If you want to support the Boss Rush Network directly, you can go to patreon.com slash Boss Rush Network. You can get the show two weeks early for just a dollar. One Washington. Okay. I don't That's I don't or, like... or a gold coin. What's what's on those dollar coins? Uh Sacagawea. Okay. Yeah. Oh, one sack of Julia. Yeah. yeah. See, and that costs less than the coffee that you wait twenty minutes in line at the drive-through at Starbucks. Yeah. Especially if some of those Starbucks like has no uh, lobby pickup, but they still, still like say like, "Oh, put your order in advance," but we're still going to make you wait in that drive-through line for twenty minutes. What is that? Yeah. 
Well, you know. Sorry. I mean, look. Sorry, I refuse to be a part of that. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. So, just to kind of explain, this is the second episode, uh, or actually third early access episode that's going up. But just to kind of explain what we're doing with Patreon, we're not creating a paywall to have exclusive content right now, right? We want, uh, we just have it to allow you to have some of our shows early and support Boss Rush Network directly if you really want to. If not, it's no big deal. You can subscribe on free feeds. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can watch on our website. This is just a way for you to get the show early and support us directly if you would like to. All the money is going right back into making our content better, making us stronger, and, you know, potentially providing new content in the future. So uh, we're launching... Yeah, a lot of the different... Sorry, I shouldn't nope. be talking nope, when you're go. doing housekeeping. Go. It's not really oh. housekeeping. Yes, oh, okay. I was only going to say when we looked at the, the when I looked at the tiers that we'll be offering, a lot of it involves you know our patreons, patreons, um, like you know p- giving us feedback to make the show better. So I was going to you can get involved. Yeah. Be part of our mm-hmm. show. Yeah. By asking questions and providing feedback. Okay, I'll shut up. Yeah, and for standard definition in particular, uh, what we're going to allow uh, uh, patrons to do is vote on a monthly topic so one of the episodes so if you vote on a topic in january the first topic in february maybe the second so we have time to watch or play said item uh the second topic in february will be the voted topic from january so yeah little incentive there if you would like to hit that three dollar community interaction tier that'd be helpful as well but if not you just want to listen, you just want to chill, chillax, subscribe where you feel. Anyways. Thank <coughs> you. Yeah. What's the said? <laughs> Sorry, I was going to sneeze, and then I had to cough, and neither really came out. That's the worst. Yeah. Performance issues, am I right? That's why, <laughs> why Stoy had that uh, big white box he was showing us during the pre-show. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Revolutionizing. Now I gotta put for not, not for kids on the episode now. Whatever. <laughs> I didn't say it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they gotta learn eventually. It's fair. I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this is how the housekeeping Don't go is on that rabbit hole, kids. This Jeez. is how the housekeeping is gonna go for this show. Okay. This is standard definition, the retro nostalgia podcast here on the Boss Rush Network, where each and every Sunday, we come together with our friends from around the internet to talk about games, movies, shows, and other topics that make us nostalgic. You can support us and get the show two weeks early by heading over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Network, or subscribe on free feeds, just search for Standard Definition, or you can search for Boss Rush Network. And we now have a channel on iTunes where all of our shows show up when you just type in Boss Rush Network. It's really nice. It's very nice. Nice little banner. All the shows ranked by how popular they are i think it's cool it's neat if you listen on uh apple Podcasts or spotify please leave us a five-star review you can also catch all of our content on youtube and on bossrush.net the merch store is now open when this goes live you'll be able to buy your very own standard def t-shirt complete with a little tube tv with little antennas so can you can you do that motion again <laughs> Yeah, now we're definitely uh, not rated for kids. Way to go. Why? Because I did a dance? No. <laughs> These are not is. imitating Nipples, Stoy. 
It's not like <laughs> he hey, I wasn't it. the first. It's to not notice. like the Fembots from Austin Powers, okay? Where they're like pew 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 pew. I was not the first to notice. I just want that to be on record. Okay, you know, <laughs> just just because she's on drugs right now. <laughs> Sudafed. Let's let everyone know it's just Sudafed. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's what we want the kids to think. Um, and she's also drinking her coffee. Air quotes. As long as it's got whiskey in it. It's fair. All right. Anyways, uh, you'll be able to buy standard def and after dark shirts uh, real soon, if not already by the time you hear this live. Very excited. Very, very excited. I'm very excited you guys are here. You know why? Because our first topic ever on standard definition is Ghostbusters, the iconic movie from 1984. It was directed by Ivan Reitman and starred Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, Ernie Hudson, and Annie Potts. The film was overall, was overall positively received. Robert Ebert gave it a 3.5 out of 4 stars. And Joseph Gelmus of Newsday calling it an adolescent fantasy, comparing it to the likes of Batman. Now remember, this was before Michael Keaton's Batman, which I'm sure we'll get to. So... Stoy, don't give me that look. I don't like this. I feel no. No, that's why I was like, "What Batman?" Because if they're if they were comparing it to, I mean, Michael Keaton's Batman didn't come out for a few years after this movie, but like, I mean, it had to have been Adam West to the Adam West Batman. Yeah, I mean, when this movie was being written and developed, I mean, the Adam West Batman stuff was ending in like the seventies, so it wasn't that far removed. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was still watching it when I was a kid. It's yeah, you're old. The, yep. Yeah, this movie and this movie made three hundred million, and hit number one for thirteen months straight. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Uh, I was get, I was I was getting there too, but thanks for bringing that up, Jesse. Uh, the budget was twenty five to thirty million dollars. Uh, the box office run made a total of. Uh, two hundred ninety-five point two million dollars. Uh, for a runtime of one hundred and five minutes, a brisk hundred and five. They say. Man, you remember when movies were like 90 minutes long? Gosh, you can get in and out and just be done. It was great. Uh, So how I kind of want to do this, I don't really want to like run through every like plot point, plot point by plot point, right? Like I just kind of want to have a general conversation about the movie, talk about each of the characters and kind of their role and kind of give, you know, up top give our general impressions of the film and then kind of go through and just have a general conversation about the movie or you know in the future game or tv show or whatever uh general impressions of the film i'll kind of go last but i know you guys think this movie is spectacular so i want to like get your guys's general impressions of the movie or if you like remember when you saw it like kind of your memories of the movie and stuff because I just saw it for the first time, what, four nights ago. So I took extensive notes. So Nice. Uh. Well, uh, I'm eager to start if that's okay. Yes. But here's yeah. the thing. I was not even born when this movie came out. But um, my, parents, <laughs> my parents really loved movies like this. And they either, I don't know when I saw it as a kid, but I just happened to sit in the room when they had it on. Um, so my memory before rewatching it, very fuzzy, but I, it got me into the Ghostbusters cartoon, which happened later. And I was a big fan of the cartoon. I know this show is not about that, but 
Anyway, and then um, when I saw the previews for Ghostbusters Afterlife, which recently came out this, this year, meaning 2021, I flipped out. So that's when I went back, got an um, like a electronic copy of the original Ghostbusters, watched it again. And at first I was kind of hesitant that maybe I had my nostalgia glasses on. Maybe it won't be as good as you know my memory has it. But you know what? Despite some 80s graphics, I really, I still enjoyed it. I probably enjoyed it even more. Um, obviously, there are some very dated aspects that we'll get to later on um, that was very cringy. But I love Slimer. I love Egon Spengler. He's my favorite Ghostbuster. He's just, he is my Ghostbuster spirit animal. <laughs> not surprised. <laughs> I'm yeah, not I'm surprised not surprised either. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, so just overall impressions, uh, you know, I think it was a great movie for its time. Um, I think it was it was it was pretty witty. Some of the back and forth, some stuff was really freaking hilarious. Now rewatching it as an adult, mm-hmm. though, again, at the same times, it, it's a victim uh, again of its time. There are a couple of tropes and lack of char- character development that we might not see as well done today. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I just think that just tied very well to afterlife which i recently saw so i'll stop there yeah and just like one more like thing that i like i took for notes and stuff that you know like it's crazy this this movie the the um the main script for the movie was written by dan Aykroyd, Mm -hmm. based based off of family uh history here in the the 1920s he had family that like did seances and and were like super into trying to contact ghosts and all that, and so that's why he he had started this, and then yeah, and so but it got rewrit by you know Ivan and Harold Ramis, you know redid the script and all that, and the movie recorded, sent out in ten months. <laughs> really, that I, I didn't know. Yeah, ten months to do everything, it, which is just crazy to me. You know, so yeah, that like that. That's another thing. Like that's that's why, like you know, like for me, like watching it again, it it's really good when you, especially when you think about that, <laughs> like that they that they really like busted their butt to get this all done. And like, you know, like they wanted to, they had people that they wanted to do the, the, um, the special effects, but they were working on doing Indiana Jones, you know, at the time. And so they, they couldn't get, they were like, ILM was the only people who did special effects like at that time. And then, uh, so some of the guys though had left ILM started their own business and that's how they got some of them to then do the stuff for Ghostbusters. So it just kind of like there's a whole bunch of things that happened to to really fall in place to make this this end up working. But yeah, like uh some of that stuff is from uh like if they have that uh movies that made us mm-hmm. they talk about a lot of stuff in that. Like so like definitely if you're a fan and you haven't seen that yet, definitely watch that because you get a, a really good behind the scenes perspective of the movie as well um but yeah like going back and watching this yeah it's it just holds up for me like i just absolutely love it 
I had a blast watching uh, it again. Who's your favorite Ghostbuster? Well, I I like I like Winston a lot, but I I would have to say I like Ray quite a bit too because he's kind of like that he's that in between like he's super smart you know but he kind of plays the comic side as well you know yeah. so like like he's an in between you you know with with Egon and and uh Peter like he's kind of that that perfect mixture of the those two characters so but yeah like I I, but I mean, I, honestly, I love them. <laughs> I love them all. You know, like yeah. <laughs> Story. What about yeah. you? Well, I was three years old when this came out in the theaters, so I I didn't see it in the theaters, but I saw it on TV. Um, when I was like six or so, and yeah, I obviously same as Steph. I watched the cartoons as well as a compendium. I was eagerly waiting for the the second movie to come out, which I think came out in like eighty nine or ninety or something like that. And that I saw in the theater. I remember mm-hmm. that. But um, no, I I mean it was such a cool concept because like as a kid you think like you know there's ghosts in your closet, there's ghosts underneath your bed, there's ghosts you know at that dark basement of the library and stuff like that or like so you know kind of seeing that these fantasies coming to life on the screen especially in a comic in a comical way like slimer being one of the most iconic ghosts i think in the movie period um lends itself to like oh man okay so this is this could be kind of funny too as well as well as some of the serious ghosts like uh you know man that that old lady in the basement of the library That scared yeah. the hell out of me as a kid. I was like, oh, that turned quick. It scared the <laughs> yeah, hell out of me cool. this time. I was not expecting that, like, at all. <laughs> I know, no kidding. Like, she's just like, you know, grab her. That's dude, your idea. Yeah. Grab her. <laughs> dude, that <laughs> effect that effect of that ghost face, like, was a real Indiana Jones kind of special effect. <laughs> like, that slow oh, yeah. motion claymation kind of, like, oh. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because, like, I took notes, like, and this is something I hadn't noticed before, but I'll talk about it later when we get to, like, one of the 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 bigger, uh, like, ghosts later, you know, towards the end of the movie. But there there's another situation that really reminded me of, uh, of Indiana Jones as well. But... But uh, overall, continuing um, the uh, yeah, it, like I I loved all the characters. You know, they all had their little quirks, and they all brought something different to the table. Although I, you know, it's like Peter Venkman was my favorite Ghostbuster. Not surprising, <laughs> but he was probably he was practically the most useless out of all of them. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like he brought literally nothing to the table. Like, you know, he was a uh, he was a parapsychologist with just a smart ass attitude. You know, and, you know, kind of a, you know, I, I guess looking back, kind of stuff with what you said with the tropes, um, you know, kind of a piece of trash. But, you know, that's looking through the rearview mirror, like looking, you know, looking right. at him now, whereas mm-hmm. it's like, well, I don't know if that would have been uh, that would have been such a stand up thing. But, you know, it's it's meant for comedy. And I, I understand why 
And we could talk about, you know, I, I think one particular scene, Steph, that you mentioned in the notes, we could talk about that later. But, um, you know, I, I, I really like that he always has, like, when things are always serious, he's the first one there with a joke. He's the first one there to crack crack a joke, you know, even if it's, like, unintentional. It's just It just comes out of him. And that's where I've always... Um, I, I've always identified with that because usually if anything is stressful or anything, you know, kind of happens that maybe spooks people, I'm always the first to crack a joke. Maybe it's inappropriate, but whatever. It's just how I am. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really like that. Even like a lot of times they went and took a serious tone with a lot of the mythology and everything that I really appreciated because it wasn't just a comical like, oh, here's some ghosts. Like there was actually like scientific reasoning behind it. And I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was I think a whole lot of five like, stars. Yeah, and I think again, <laughs> again, that was a whole lot of like Dan Aykroyd, like you know, like putting some of that more like the actual knowledge of of stuff into it, and yeah, you like, know, a, like this, this is a class four like phantom yeah. vapor, you know, like okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that whole beginning scene though, with like, yeah, with the the um. Oh, did we? Lo- oh no! But, yeah. Oh no! I'm here. I'm just getting a refill of water, and I'm not going to confuse people by walking with the camera. <laughs> yeah, the the whole the whole uh, library stuff is is so iconic, but. Like, yeah, it's just such a great, and like you were, you were talking about like one of my favorites is like, in, even in the beginning when Egon is like, you know, he's got the stethoscope up to that table and he's listening and then Peter comes in and he's like, Egon. yes, <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> love yeah, that scene like, so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like just those, those jokey moments like that where they just. <laughs> where they just play so well off of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Like, it's just mm-hmm. so good at, at how well they play together. Like, yeah. It's. Uh... Well, and you could tell, like, honestly, you know, even with. Obviously, we didn't get Winston till, like, the last act of the movie. But even, like, seeing the banter between the guys, it's just. Yeah. It, they fit so well with each other. Like, you really have to have a good group of guys or good group of girls, whatever. Uh, in, in whatever movie or role that you're playing in, like that can really mesh well, could really get along, and that chemistry really shows on the screen. So, unless mm-hmm. they're like there just to like do a job and you know whatever. So, because I I always hear like apparently like um, uh, th- there's still an Avengers chat group with a lot of the actors that they still oh, okay. maintain they still maintain friends, and they still maintain uh you know conversations and talking with each other, which is really cool. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Corey. Uh, yeah, I guess it's I guess it's my turn now to <laughs> anger everybody. No. Uh Oh no. No. Okay, so like I said kind of at the top of the show, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. As will be a recur- a recurring theme on this show <laughs> probably once a month at least. Uh I watch it and I the first thing I want to say is I can really see how people can attach themselves to this movie as they watched it growing up. Like it really feels like a movie that, you know, Jesse, we talk about Ninja Turtles all the time and how mm-hmm. that 1990 movie is like my favorite movie of all time. And mm-hmm. uh, it definitely has that appeal to it. 
you know, like the mm-hmm. characters wacky in each of their own way. The the Janine, I think, is just like she's just the best. She's my favorite character, yeah. I think, in the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters, what do you want? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah. you know, it has the you know, the the you know, Sigourney Weaver is like the the sexy lady that you know Vankman is trying to like. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing in that scene, but I mean, it's you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I liked it from that perspective. I think it has a lot of charm. I think it has a lot of heart. You can see there's a lot of heart in the movie, especially from the actors. Right? Has the the uh, weird kind of stereotypical '80s movie villain. <laughs> the the government guy yeah which is like he just yeah. he, he talks with such purpose that it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie almost which yeah. it, which i mean i know is the point of his character but it's just like he kind of threw everything off and to a degree but like i can i can definitely see how if you watch this movie when you were little and it, it would fit in your like you know if you only had like five or six vhs tapes this would be one you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, <coughs> Jesus cough will not go away. Uh, so watching it for the first time as an adult, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I, I think that there are, I think a lot of the special effects actually hold up quite well mm-hmm. um, for an eighties movie. There's some green screening and some uh, stop motion animation, especially with the uh, gargoyle demon dog things that you know don't really hold up. Yeah, watching that, <laughs> watching that now, it looks a little rough. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you like you could tell the scenes where it's like, yeah, a stop motion thing that's like superimposed, and then oh, yeah. this is an actual like model. Yeah, uh, yeah. The whole kind of top of the building portal to. Uh, What's the villain's name? Zool's kind of Zool. Yeah, Gozer. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Gozer. Yeah, yeah. Gozer. Uh, the portal there, like I, I, that actually was like that green screening was actually pretty well done for an '80s movie. I feel like, you know, sometimes you can you get that kind of shade or glow around the actors when they're in front of a green screen from the '80s, but didn't really, couldn't really see it. I think that's just because the background was so bright and. Uh, it actually worked well. Well, and I think I think a lot of that actually uh, th- some of the effects uh, were overlays, mm-hmm. or just like so it was like a, it was it was created on like a piece of you know like film essentially that yeah. lays over the the top of the the other the other film the actual film. Right, that makes and sense. So, yeah. So then, yeah, it's like it, it's like it exists in that frame, mm-hmm. even though it's it's not technically there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's how, how some of the early Star Wars effects were made, I think, which is yeah. why some of those uh, you know practical effects still hold up. I think. Um, yeah, the uh, that the lady at the end definitely stole that out of uh, um, what's his name? God, uh, the musician. The he's in the labyrinth. What's his name? Oh, David, David Bowie. Bowie. David, yeah. Yes, oh, thank you. David Bowie, David yeah. Bowie's closet. Totally just mm-hmm. probably asked him to borrow something, right? Like, totally yeah, the just Gozer. felt like that. Yeah, Gozer, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, with the flat top mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. 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 I, I really like how Rick Moranis overplayed his character. 
Like yes. he was just yes. like, uh, it was so funny. And like, he kept locking himself out of his apartment. Yep. Even when his yep. party was going on, like he just kept. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He played his part so well. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I wanted more of him, you know, like I wanted I more Rick Moranis cause he's so Wait till good. you see two, man. Yeah. Yeah. I well, was just going to say that. So <laughs> before we go any further, so for future episodes, what we're doing, Stoy, you and I are doing Indiana Jones, the whole series with uh, my friend Matt. And we're going to do that. And then I figure at some point we'll do all the Ghostbusters movies and rank them. Okay. Like at the yeah, end. No. And... What was that? The new. What? That. <laughs> I don't know. Is that you, Steph? <laughs> I didn't make a noise. Who ma- Someone made that. I think Stoy made a noise, and he just... <laughs> okay, maybe that was me. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, though, really quick, yeah, the 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 new one, Afterlife, um, finally got announced Like when it's coming out uh, on video. It's uh, February 1st of 2022, so... I'm and buying it. it. Yeah, cool. and then the digital version will come out probably in January, yeah. end of January. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, and then we're doing a big MCU rewatch. Uh, Mark uh, and I and whoever else wants to join that, are we're going to do a big MCU rewatch and rank the MCU movies. Wow, too. that's a tall task. That's a big <laughs> It is, but it's not going to be like all in a row, right? I mean, we'll have like... You know, maybe like an MCU movie every like three weeks, two or three weeks and kind of I, I don't want us to do like, OK, we're doing all the Ghostbusters movies. Right. And then we're doing all of the MCU, which I went back and forth thinking if we should do that. But like, I don't know. I feel like that's like a big ask to do that. So like and we need, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody's off and I want like I want a consistent cast for each group of movies. Right. Like I want all of us to do the Ghostbusters movies right and i know steph you wanted to do the disney animated movies <coughs> at some point and like let's talk w- about the ghostbusters we are i'm just explaining the, the show story it's We're the this first is a, episode this is an episode about the ghostbusters it is i'm getting there i'm trying to explain right. this brand new show that everybody's listening to for the first time story yeah <laughs> sorry that you haven't done this in a while introduce a new show <laughs> anyways that's the point of the show Stoy clearly wants to move on he's probably got some soccer game to watch at one o'clock in the morning he's got to take his pre-soccer match nap no the uh the games don't start till like 5 a.m so <laughs> anyways back to ghostbusters i i enjoyed it i think it's uh movie definitely stuck in its time uh especially mm-hmm. uh especially Vankman is definitely a character that probably would not be allowed to exist today with, uh, you know, uh-uh. cancel culture and all this other stuff going on. Like it just seems like someone that would probably be rewritten into some other kind of character. Um, yeah. I don't think any, anyone born in the generation after us could watch it and enjoy it. Well, I mean, I don't know, maybe, but I would, I would just say it's highly unlikely. Um, they might get into the Ghostbusters franchise with the reboot of Afterlife because they literally borrowed all the amazing things from the little Ghostbusters but made it a little bit more, you know, <laughs> PC in the modern times. Mm-hmm. Um, which mm-hmm. that part's unfortunate because 
even with that super uncomfortable scene in the beginning, I'm, I was still able to overlook it and just focus on the overall movie. It was still fine. Yeah. No, I mean, also, like, I think if you're watching this, I think if you go and watching it now for the first time, you have to look at it in the time and place it was filmed, right? Because well, I, yeah. I, th- I think there's a gay joke in there at some point. I think there's, you know, there, there's definitely jokes in there that wouldn't fly today. But uh, overall... <laughs> I thought it was funny. I definitely laughed out loud a few times. And, uh, you know, and the fact that this movie was rated PG because <laughs> PG-13 didn't yeah, exist Yeah, can we yet. talk about that? Yeah, PG-13 well, PG like, didn't come out until, uh, Tem- that, yeah, that Temple year, of actually. Doom was the first Temple movie. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I'm just going to say it now. I did not remember the whole ghost pulling down Dan Aykroyd's pants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that wouldn't yeah. be on a PG movie in this yeah, time. This, to this be fair, it was implied, and they didn't show anything other than the belt coming undone. True. But still. And him well, making a face. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, you know, like like it or not, it's, you know, it's if you believe in that kind of stuff, like that's supposed to be a real, succubus is supposed to be a real thing, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, there it's, was obviously it's no context in the scene. Yeah, but yeah, it's one of those things. Once you see it, I mean, as a kid, I didn't understand it because I was like, "Yeah, how could that happen?" Yeah. You know, but because <laughs> you know, it's a ghost, and how does it work? But whatever. Kind of once you get older, you start to learn. You know, the the whole mythology of the succubus. It's like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, but, I I like just, it's just comedy. Yeah, I yeah. I like it. Speaking of comedy real quick um did i did it go over my head the first time i saw it when um annie potts um was at the desk and then dr venkman just said hi and bye and then spangler just like popped up from underneath the desk i mean oh yeah i I was like (laughs) yeah i see that went over my head years ago but then i saw it again i'm like wait a minute (laughs) yeah like yeah like my head like went there just because that's <laughs> that's how our minds are trained. But then like he just talked about fixing the <laughs> cords and like the wiring and stuff under a desk. I'm like, mm-hmm. is he really just fixing the stuff under his desk? Because like, yeah, normally you it would be implied that that's what he was doing. But also like his personality in the movie suggests that he's not really like that. He's very like yeah right. You know he's like I collect spores, mold, and fungus. Yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, but then like yeah, later, fun. but then like later on, they show them like ha- they clearly have some sort of relationship later on where she's like leaning on his chest and he's like kind of hugging her, saying it's okay. Like, there's clearly some kind of relationship there, but at mm. that point, I don't know if that like it clearly like I, I don't know, I don't know what to think there, but uh, that's definitely the first place where my mind went because I mean, yeah. As a kid, seeing it, that completely blew over my head. Yeah. You know, the 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 older I got, the more times I saw it, and I was like, oh yeah, I could see the, I could see how that would make you kind of go, aha ha, that's what happened. Yeah. 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 I mean, that you know, like that that stuff still goes on. Like you see a lot of there's a lot of, you know, cartoons and things like that that have things that adults will kind of be like hmm at, but kids just. You know, it completely go over their head. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it still pops into even modern day cartoons. Well, they'll throw an adult joke here and there into yeah. into these cartoons for kids, where it's like it goes over the kids' heads. But like, you know, your parents are laughing at it because it's like, ha ha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of 
Pixar films have that in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Especially cars, man. There's so many dirty jokes in cars. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so what were what were do we want to talk about the characters first or do we want to kind of talk about our favorite moments at all? First, like I, I kind of want to like talk about each of the characters because there's like what six or seven main characters in this movie that like the story kind of <laughs> revolves around. So Bill Murray plays Peter Venkman. Uh, like story said, he's kind of like a character that projects that he serves a purpose but really doesn't serve any purpose uh yeah he clearly just is like uh you know he wants to sleep with all the girls that are around every time he sees he's clearly the guy that's like i'm gonna sleep with the pretty girl in this movie and uh i don't know he's he's definitely like he might be one of my least favorite characters in this movie to be honest like i i can definitely think of like three or four more characters that i liked more than him uh and i kind of agree with story that he kind of doesn't really serve a purpose on the team he doesn't want to do it he doesn't like believe in what they're doing really like uh <clears throat> you know he kind of gets dragged along by dan Aykroyd's character like he just kind of seems like you know he's in it is, for a different reason and then they get it, then when they get fired yeah, yeah. like he kind of has to do it uh-huh yeah, yeah and even then, a, when he got fired from his job, oh sorry. No, that's all right. Go, go, go ahead. No, it was really quick. Like even when they got fired from the job, he really seemed like he didn't give two shits about anything. Which I guess is supposed to be what a cool character does, but it all also makes me not care too much about him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he just kind of seems like he's he's in it for the attention of possibly you know like that that being popular and being you know the center of attention and he's always got a you know the one who's got to talk to the the news reporters and stuff about what they're doing even though he really clearly he's clueless to you know like the actual technical part of what they're doing and yeah he's just kind of like the 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 mascot or the face of it you know and you know like he doesn't actually know what he's doing <laughs> He just kind of stumbles his way through everything. I always say, like, you know, the more I saw Bill Murray, you know, in the future, the more I started to see, like, how he's just playing himself. Because mm-hmm. Bill Murray as a person and Bill Murray and other movies that came out after that, most movies that came out after that, he kind of had that same persona of just, like, yeah, being the center of attention, maybe playing a little bit stupid and always cracking a joke at probably the most inappropriate times. But... Um, so, you know, you could look at it that way to say, okay, well, it's just Bill Murray playing Bill Murray, just obviously a different name, but yeah, I mean, admittedly, I think he's just along for the ride, you know, in this, um, he was the one that kind of, uh, really convinced Ray to invest in the Ghostbusters basically by making him sell his family home. So he was. You know, once they got fu- once they got uh, fired from the university, it was like, well, this is our next best thing. This is our next big thing that we're a part of, and he's just the- he was the cheerleader of the group. Mm-hmm. So I guess he was the one that really kind of convinced Ray and Egon that this is a worthwhile endeavor. You know, Egon yeah. is the science guy, where he was like, look at all these numbers and look at all these spectral analysis, whatever things that I'm building, and like Ray is just like the kind of like, well, I don't know, guys. I don't know. And Peter's like, 
Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Sell your house. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And then like that whole scene where they're looking for a place to to have it. I love mm-hmm. that when they're at the Bray's like, the check out this pole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then Egon's like, yeah. I'm this, gonna go get my stuff. Like this would be like one of the worst things to possible to buy this place and then yeah ray's just like he's like yeah. what do we when can we move in <laughs> you know like, I'm gonna go give <laughs> he was like a kid on christmas yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but i like those I, I like those little breaks in character where like you know there's moments where like ray acts like a child there's moments where like egon is like completely clueless to what's going on like you know anytime uh you know, Janine like flirts with him, and he's just like, you know. And then yeah. like Peter, Peter has his moments too, where he's like, okay, something's something's not right, you know, or like he's yeah really invested in what's going on. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has his moments. I I feel like, and you know, and we'll talk about this more in the future, but definitely in the second movie, like Peter definitely has a lot more, like you know, serious moments or moments where where he's, you know, playing a bigger part mm-hmm. uh, of something. But, yeah, like, it, yeah, the, fir- the first movie, you know, it's kind. he's kind of, yeah, he's he's got some moments, but, yeah. but it's, it's few and far in between. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely, I think there's definitely some growth in this movie, right, where, especially towards the end where he kind of, like, he wants to, be with Sigourney Weaver's character, but like he's still at the, like when he first meets her, he's still that like crappy guy that was hitting on the college girl at the beginning. But then like mm-hmm. you know towards the end, like he wants to be with her, and then when she turns into a you know Zool or whatever, like she he like makes. I mean, like Story said, he cracks a whole bunch of like jokes about her be, like. Whatever and and it's uh, yeah and then at the end like he clearly is sad that she's gone but then like he gets excited when he finds her stuck in the in the statue or the rubble or whatever it is you know the yeah. burnt I guess the burnt crispy dog thing well, crispy I, dogs I think... everybody likes a good crispy dog <laughs> well and I break think... open by karate chopping it yeah <laughs> could you that's <laughs> good. But get a little yeah, mustard well, on that I, guy. I think, I think one of the things too, like, like having watched a lot of eighties movies and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I mean, you have like the, just all the, all the crazy movies from the eighties. Like it, there are moments in this movie, but they're pretty tame compared to a lot of the stuff. Like even just the whole, you know, like you were talking about where she's, uh, where she gets possessed and stuff like that. And she, you know, and she's making moves on him and wanting, you know, wanting to do stuff with him. But he kind of (laughs) is like, okay, well, you're, you're clearly, yeah, yeah, clearly you're, you're possessed. (laughs) I I cannot, you know, like I can't cross that right now because it just, you know, like that, that moment was it's you know like a lot of movies i don't think would have played that the same way during that time well like that scene where like he knocks on her door and she's first possessed and like he like gives her the wrong answer and she shuts the door in his face and so he resets it by knocking on the door again and it answers differently (laughs) and she lets him in (laughs) are you the key master yes (laughs) yes yes i am (laughs) 
Well, and I and I love I love when uh, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Dana, when when that that moment though when he is hardcore hitting on her and stuff, mm-hmm. and she just keeps on like you know and like pushes him out and mm-hmm. is just like yeah okay whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. like I, yeah I love that whole that whole part though of just her kind of being like whatever like you're such a loser yeah mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah i think they they did a great job casting sigourney weaver for that character and i and i do just we wanna... really loved how she was her own person oh yeah oh do we just want to move on to sigourney weaver then do we just want to talk about yeah uh dana barrett yeah. played by sigourney weaver yeah sorry Sebi, mm-hmm. i didn't want to yeah, cut you sure. off but if we're moving in that direction i just kind of wanted to mm-hmm. transition let's do it yeah she lives in a nice fancy place and in New York, has, yeah. In New York, and I think it was like a penthouse, right? Like a corner penthouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she first sees a vision or these ghosts in her fridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the eggs start cooking on her countertop. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. The, but, uh, <laughs> I thought I thought somebody was going to keep talking. Sorry, I just was doing the egg thing this is my motion for cooking eggs on the countertop i don't know what that is. <laughs> what do i do with my hands yeah the yeah that whole that whole scene is you know like the the whole fridge scene is is pretty sweet like for that time like mm-hmm. i i just remember like a you know like when i had watched this movie for the first time that that was so cool like yeah. seeing that that whole world inside of the fridge, and then you mm-hmm. close it, and then open it later, and it's not there. Yeah, that effect was really good. Like that's that's where I was like, okay, these effects are like they really hold up. They're really good, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not like twenty twenty one good, obviously, but they're like they're good. They're they're great effects, you know. Well, yeah, because they had to think outside the box a bit. Like it was like bunch of guys like hey we want eggs to pop out of this egg container and cook on the counter how do we do that Mm -hmm. so it's like they tried to i mean they had to brainstorm and yeah like you said there wasn't a lot of special effects companies at the time so they really had to kind Mm -hmm. of you know get their brains on the table to really figure out how to do it yeah 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 and all the while she actually she has to fend off two different guys right because she has to fend off lewis tully Rick Moranis' character. <laughs> That's not hard, though, right? I mean, she's just, like, being nice to the nerdy guy who lives down the hallway, right? She's just like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Lewis. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, gee. You want to you wanna come in for a cup of coffee? It's okay. You know, I'm just, I'm just right down the hall. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. okay. You, you want to come to my party? Uh, it's for clients, you know. I would invite friends, but I want to show my clients how important they are. But you're allowed to come, too, if you want. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty yeah. good impression. Thanks. Poor Lewis Tully. I've been practicing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, like her yeah, her character, though, is, like you said, though, Stephanie, she was just so, like, she was the perfect person to play that character. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely. I could definitely see her being like an like an '80s crush from this movie too. Like I like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just kind of felt that way. It, I had the same like kind of feeling like when I was watching Ninja Turtles and April would show up, and I was like, "Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Perfect for like the 13 or 14 year old boys who were watching this movie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, she really rocked that red dress, man. I know when she was when she became Zool. Hell yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, like she was 
like that, that was the thing about her character and, and the way they wrote her is that she had all this attention. There was like the other guy in the in the orchestra that she played for because I think mm-hmm. her job was actually oh. in the orchestra. And there was like this other guy in the mix too mm-hmm. that you know she was just talking to and just having friendly relations with. But she's just like, I'm out here just kind of just you know whatever like just living her life you know trying to obviously not live in an apartment that's haunted by ghosts and just trying to do the best she she can with working in the orchestra then yeah obviously you know just she's just out here doing doing dana barrett stuff mm-hmm. yeah that's a terrible way of explaining it but you get what i'm saying i i, I understand mm-hmm. i i picked up what you're putting down story okay thank you <laughs> you know <laughs> I get you. Well, yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's Scorny Weaver at the time, like in the '80s. I mean, you know, yeah, she was a perfect. She, she fit the role perfectly. I can't imagine. I couldn't imagine anyone else at the time doing it any better, especially since she she rocked it in Alien and Aliens, and mm-hmm. at the, you know at the, during that same time. Yeah. See, that's what I was trying to look up. I was like, what years did they did the Alien series come out in comparison to this? But you know, I think the first one. Let's see, it's nineteen seventy nine like yeah 79 or 80 was alien and then aliens yeah. came out sometime in the later 80s i thought i don't know okay yeah, yeah no the yeah alien is 1979 all right it's crazy that that movie's that old right oh uh, oh yeah that's right <laughs> right i wrote there's some of the jokes that i wrote down <laughs> and the, the one you don't have them memorized <laughs> no no i well i do remember them but i yeah like word for word i don't i i'm not great at remembering stuff but i did like the when peter was over at her place that you know like that second time like checking checking everything and and he starts walking over by her red bedroom, and he and she's like, "That's that's a bed bedroom. Nothing ever happened in there." And Peter's like, "That's a shame." <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's like I liked you know like I even though like a lot of the stuff he was doing was inappropriate, like it just felt like with her like just being such a like just an awesome like you know woman character that it just is just fun seeing him squirm because it's like he's like that character that's not used to being rejected or you know like not be you know like and it's that that kind of uh you know mix not be- going after a woman like Sigourney Weaver <laughs> Sigourney yeah. Weaver is well, yeah yeah it's a big difference between you know when he was kind of on the hunt for that college student in the beginning who was, yeah. I hate to say it, kind of like a dingbat. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, you think I have the gift? Okay, <laughs> I'll have dinner with you. And Sigourney <laughs> Weaver is just, she holds her own. Like, I'm not saying this yeah. is like a super feminist movie because it's not. Yeah. But yeah. all things considering, like, uh, I just loved it. It was very refreshing, actually. <laughs> yeah. She's my girl. I love her. Yeah. 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 Uh so I was trying to see if anybody else auditioned for the role. The only other person who auditioned was Julia Roberts. Oh man, that would have been that would have been terrible. Yeah, but she oh. Sigourney Weaver got the role because she came in and and uh, did her alien character for the role and ended oh. up getting it. So interesting. Yeah, yeah, I know there. Yeah, there. That's the thing is like the the cast like. There was, you know, in the beginning, it was going to be, 
you know, John Belushi and, and, you know, like the whole, the whole cast was basically going to be based around, you know, yeah. Saturday night live and, yeah, you know, well, the and... so I have the I have the auditions pulled up here just to go over it real quick. Peter Vankman could have been played by it was written for John Belushi initially, but it, it was also yeah. offered to Michael Keaton, Chevy Chase and Steve Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. And other actors considered for the role were Tom Hanks and Robin Williams. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, if Robin Williams would have been in this movie. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, that would have been so amazing. <laughs> uh, Spangler could have been played by it. The role was also offered to Michael Keaton, uh, but he had signed on to do Batman in this early. And uh, I think that was a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good choice. Uh, yeah. Christopher Walken, John Lithgow, Christopher Lloyd, and Jeff Goldblum. All for, for uh, Egon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeff that would have. Huh? Uh, Winston, like, sorry, go ahead, Jesse. Oh, I was gonna say, like, I, I, maybe, maybe, like, uh, I don't know, like, some of those characters, some of those people, maybe could have pulled that that character off, but yeah, I think, I think the thing is too, like, like just, you know, like the, the guy, you know, who ends up playing Egon. He also, you know, rewrote the ca- the the. Yeah. So I mean, a lot a lot of stuff like would not have been as good as it is had, you know. So, uh, Winston uh, Zeta Moore could have been played by Eddie Murphy. Uh, that's the only person listed here who they thought about. Uh, this one, this one is the most interesting. Louis Tolly could have been played by John Candy. What? Yeah. Hmm. The role was offered and actually written for John Candy, but turned it down. Uh, and then Reitman uh, shared the script with Rick Moranis and accepted it hours later. Um, John Candy, I, I think that could have worked. <laughs> that could have that that could have worked. I don't know who would have done it better. I think, um, like, okay, let, let's admit, Louis Tully looks a little pathetic. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a he, he's kind of a pathetic human being that's like trying to look for approval from a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wants to be validated. He wants to be noticed. Mm-hmm. And he's just like a short little guy that's just like trying, trying to get noticed, whatever. So I think he played that role very well and just trying to seek attention. I don't think John Candy would have pulled that same off. John Candy would have come in to be the whole planes, trains and automobiles type of guy, I think. Mm hmm. Better, I was, was thinking maybe Uncle Buck even. No, no, Uncle Buck is kind of a more. I I, I guess he would have like if it was an Uncle Buck type character. I think he would have been Peter Vankman. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah, because like I mean, Louis Tully is the role of just like that kind of pathetic little neighbor, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. And John Candy could have done it. I'm not saying he couldn't, you know. Yeah. And Rick Moranis did an awesome job, but. Yeah. John yeah, Candy, I think, could have pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, either way, both of them are legends. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, for sure. All right, so let's let's get back to these characters. Uh, Dan Aykroyd played Ray Stance, who is kind of the over-the-top kind of... Tr- Stance. Tr- that's what I said. Stance. That's what I said. Stance. 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 Okay. Did I not, am I not saying it right? No, you're fine. Keep going. 
Mm. I feel like he's going to correct me in April when we do Ghostbusters. Well, you, did say, you, you did say Winston Zedmore, and I, I kept I kept quiet during that. What so. is it? Zedmore. No, it's not. There's an E in there. Winston Zedmore. Whatever. He was in the, the movie e for silent. like five minutes. The E is silent. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Jeez. Anyways. Anyway. Ray is kind of the over-the-top true believer and wants to do like just go in kind of guns blazing if you will to do this and uh i don't know dan Aykroyd is is i think he's great in this role i think he kind of is like i think story i think you said the middle man in this where he kind of plays the uh in between guy from from uh vankman and egon he's kind of like that middle slot guy yeah, isn't it, wasn't he also the one that brought in the car to turn into Ecto One? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's basically their mechanic too, so he's basically fixed yeah. the whole thing up. He's like, it needs new shocks, brakes, pads, rotors, all this other stuff, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Which I, I, I can't remember, like, because I used to watch the cartoon a lot. I think didn't Winston eventually end up being more of that character? Who is like really good at like mechanical stuff? I, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I don't I don't remember much of the cartoon. I, uh, I have the whole thing. <laughs> I have the whole the whole series, but yeah, I, I don't know. They I I want to say that he kind of does some a lot of that stuff later too, but I I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, that I I like his character. I think. Uh... You know he he does a great job. I don't I don't really know what else to say that we haven't already said, right? I, you know, so mm-hmm. he's a, a well-rounded, lovable character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, Harold Ramis uh, plays Egon Spangler, which he's the best Ghostbuster in my opinion. He's his yeah his. Over the top straightness of playing this character is so just on point and just ridiculous that it just works. I don't know if if this would work in another situation, but the way he plays him in this movie in particular, it just works. It just it works really well, mm-hmm. right? And and the way he just talks to everybody, or like the scene in the library where he's like under the table checking for stuff and then you know uh they come in and bang on the table and knock the book down and he doesn't notice until you know he turns around it's pretty funny like he just takes everything way too seriously and it's just hilarious yeah even one of his one of the things he said he admitted like i'm always serious yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, peter yeah peter was like egon are you serious about catching ghosts and egon's like yeah i'm I'm always serious (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> another little tidbit that i loved about him he loves sweets i think that he like there's a scene where like um, do- um dr venkman offers him a twinkie because he says he earned it or something was it it's yeah. a twinkie yeah well, yeah it's a twinkie because they're yeah. talking about what something that's the size of like what two thousand yeah. twinkies or something yeah <laughs> yeah the, yeah the the containment unit he was talking about how like like the cream filling you know, is all the ghosts yeah yeah. yeah, and that yeah, and that it's getting over, it's getting like over full or whatever, and that it would you know like it would explode and you know and then yeah and then like, 
<laughs> and then I love that later on, Winston, like when Peter comes in, Winston's like, hey, tell him about the Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> what is this about yeah. a Twinkie? <laughs> I also I also like the part where they're like halfway through catching their first like ghosts or whatever. And he's like, there's one very important information I forgot to share with you. Never cross the streams. And he's like dead serious about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or even like when he's like trying to like and you know trying to wrangle in uh, Slimer, and like this part I always laughed at as a kid because like Ray's like okay don't look at the trap and Egon's like I looked at the trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. I looked at the trap. Yeah, yeah and I, and that was great. Like you know like when it like it brings me back to watching you know Saturday Night Live. But there are a couple of moments where where um, as Egon. You see him try not to laugh, like after he delivers uh, a line or whatever, because he's trying so hard to be that serious, straight-faced person. But like every once in a while, you can see that he's kind of got a smirk on his face, or like trying to kind of hold back a smile, yeah. a laugh. Yeah, and yeah, it's uh... yeah, he's 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 great. I love that character. Um, so. Uh, moving on, I guess, um, Rick Moranis plays Lewis Tully. We kind of talked about him a lot already. Um, I wish, like I said, he, I wish he had a bigger role in this movie, but the scenes he was in, he kind of stole the show. I feel like, uh, yeah. especially the hallway scenes. And then especially after he gets possessed or like when he runs up to that restaurant and he's like banging on the window to let him in yeah. and like nobody's <laughs> paying attention to him at all. Yep. That's why he's been typecasted. No one cares about Lewis Tully. He's a little pathetic <laughs> yeah. human being. Yeah. Oh, poor Lewis. <laughs> yeah it's it's hilarious or like or like uh when the during the party like during right before that he's like who brought the dog in and then he opens it and he sees yeah. the demon dog thing yeah <laughs> and he just starts yeah. running oh it's so funny yeah yeah his character yeah he's definitely, definitely uh, a, a fun character and um just oh, after he gets possessed because that's he's the Keymaster, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm the keymaster. Like... You the gatekeeper? <laughs> and when they finally meet up, I love how Sigourney Weaver dips him. In a <laughs> yeah, kiss. yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Annie Potts plays Janine, the lovable secretary. She's she's the best character in this entire movie. Ever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, she's so good. Um. And just yes. the, so dry. Yeah, it's like it's dry. The accent is so over the top, but it works right. And every time she answers the phone, like story we were talking about it earlier, where uh, she's like, "Ghostbusters, what do you want?" And she after what she had want? yeah, what you, she was just like she had just been fighting with Vankman about like a break or like pay raise or getting help in or whatever, and mm-hmm. she's like, "We got a big one." And she starts like ringing the bell or whatever, and everybody slides down. The... It's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, Her... yeah, that was that was the first call when she's leaving for work, and she's like, you know, answering the phone, and she's like, "What? You 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 have something? Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, like I I love her character in the the cartoons too. Like, like she, you know, she's obviously because of the it being a TV show. There's a lot more of her in there. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, like you know, like that that character's rings very true in the cartoon and like like keeps that consistency of that character really well yeah she's uh she's great and then 
Uh, where did my notes go? They're there. Ernie Hudson plays Winston Zedmore. The uh, uh, he he's applying for a job. This the interaction between him and Janine was really good. Where she's like, you know, she's listing off all the things that he needs to believe in to have this job. She's like, he's like, if the pay is good, I'll just believe in whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If there's a steady paycheck involved, I'll believe in anything you want. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which was a great line. I wish he was in it more too. Which I guess he's in the second one more. I'm assuming a lot more. A little, a little more. Yeah. Well, he was obviously. I mean, in this movie, he comes in at the last. Yeah. Half yeah. or last third or whatever, but like obviously he's. Yeah, I mean he's right in the beginning yeah. of the first of the second movie. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, when they all get kind of you know arrested or they go to the mayor's office or whatever and they're all in trouble he's like man i've only been with them for a couple weeks i don't have anything to do yep. with this <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. i've seen shit that'll make your face turn white white <laughs> yep. yeah i loved yeah, that <laughs> joke <laughs> or or what the best line of the whole movie is basically at the end when they get zapped by gozer the first time and he's like was that him yeah that was him where it's like right Next time someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. He is definitely like uh, he. I'm like you. Like you said, I I just wish he was in it more. But yeah, it's. But yeah, when, <sighs> I mean, even even still, like every scene he was in, you know, yeah, he was still he stole the show with his, you know, yeah. you know, he's learning the business as much because he's not. He's not a scientist. He doesn't really know. He's just yeah. he's just a worker bee, whatever. Just and then he's yeah. kind of like the default driver too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but you're right. He does still kind of steal the scene whenever he does. He is in it. I just think it has to do with yeah. like his, his charisma. He's a very charismatic mm-hmm. character. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And like in like he you know like he he brings up the whole like you know like his character is kind of the religious one who like mm-hmm. looks, you know, looks at, looks at things from that perspective and, you know, like believes obviously in everything that they're doing, mm-hmm. but he's, but he's looking at it from that religious perspective where, you know, the other guys are kind of looking at it from a scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was that particular scene. It was like a really, it was like kind of like the most serious scene of the movie where it was him and Ray that was driving at night or something. Yeah. 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 And it was like, it was like this really serious conversation that they had. And I remember as a kid that always brought it down because I'm like, Oh man, it's like a serious conversation. Like, but like the older I got, it was the same thing. The more I really appreciated that scene because it yeah. brings a little bit of that realism back to where it's like this isn't like batshit crazy science fiction. This is like, you know, you could kind of believe it almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that where um, Corey, you're the one who saw it like most recently? Was that where they were talking about revelations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing yeah, bringing the end of days. And yeah. Like he's like you know like maybe haven't you ever thought that maybe this is a sign that mm-hmm. you know that this is the you know the the end of days mm-hmm. kind of yeah. Thing. And I yeah. think it was Ray that quoted the Revelation scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was no. It was it was a really good sequence. I remember. Mm-hmm. Remember that. So. And then uh, last but not least, kind of the. I guess you would say like the secondary villain, although he's not really a villain. He's just doing his government job is uh, William Atherton plays Walter Peck, the guy, the EPA agent, the environmental protector protection uh-huh. agent guy. And he just is like trying, <laughs> trying to do his job, but also like being a real dick about it. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking AK. of. Yeah. Dickless. Yeah. yeah. Is this true? Yes, it's true. He has yes. no dick. Yeah. <laughs> or what? 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 Mister Pecker is saying that's yeah. Peck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Definitely a lot of great jokes at his expense. At his expense, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he plays he plays a raging douche so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, obviously Willie Matherton was the douchey reporter in Die Hard yeah. that got his lights punched out. And mm-hmm. even in the second one, he was the same douchey reporter. But, you know, it's like Willie, the, the actor like plays that role so well yeah. that it's like, okay, how could we get this guy to be hated by literally everybody watching this movie? And, yeah, sure enough, you know, he goes downstairs and shuts off the containment system. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And as I much as he could be over part. the top, like, I, I feel like it's still believable because uh, I feel like a lot of government, not all of them, but a lot of government officials always know, think that they know everything that they're doing. And they're just they don't care about the expert, what experts have to say, whether or not something's mm-hmm. safe or not. They're like, this is against the rules. Shut it down. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> I laugh because it's that's applicable to uh, modern day to be honest yeah oh yeah well, uh, and uh, honestly he he did come from a valid perspective of you know what what impact is this having on our environment this can containment system like are you using you know any sort of like illegal chemicals to store these are you damaging the environment in new york city or whatever and he was the one that obviously started going off by saying you know by spouting lies like he, the ghostbusters are actually pumping this gas into the city and yeah. make people you know and obviously these this evidence was unfounded but like you know making people hallucinate to think that there's ghosts in the city so i think yeah. that's where he was coming from that he was such a huge denier of everything that was happening mm-hmm. yeah 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 and then he like it's... pulled the lever to, to or he made the the you know the worker guy like pull the lever and like it made mm-hmm. all the ghosts escape which was hilarious yeah. like that whole scene was like and everybody's just running out of the building like as fast as they can also well, it's, yeah. it's funny when like people try to over exaggerate running out of a building when they, like you know it's that whole scene was really funny i thought yeah yeah i, yeah, I like when they yeah the ghostbusters are just kind of like making you know gestures at each other like silently just like yeah we better let's get out of here guys you know that they all are scurrying away and those guys are still just kind of standing there and then they see them then they start to kind of run yeah (laughs) and then it's like oh crap we should probably get out of here too (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah i i I think this cast is great i mean we kind of listed off who was who could have played some of these characters but like i don't think it would have worked as well you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and like you can always say, well, you know, if these other character, if these other actors would have played these characters, we would have never known this movie. But like, there's just something about the all like their chemistry and the way that they're they work together, and it's just I couldn't see anybody else playing these characters. You know, even after only seeing this movie once, you know, all the way through, and uh, it's a good cast. I like it. I. I don't know. As we've been talking, I've kind of like kind of been warming up to the idea of like liking it more than initial I initially did. Uh but what what are let's just kind of talk about the favorite moments of of the movie. Stephanie, you made a face. You go first then. 
<laughs> oh, there's so many, but I guess I'll maybe talk about one or two because we might have the same thing. Um, the first one I'll just say quickly, it happens in the middle of the movie when things are picking up. It's the montage when they're playing the actual Ghostbusters theme song mm-hmm. and they're just you know, driving around with that siren and they're getting more and more phone calls. I mean, that's just my jam. Like, it made me, like, so happy and giddy on the inside. I'm like, why don't we have more montages these days? I miss those. <laughs> yeah, the montage um, was such an 80s thing. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. But, and it was a, a banging song. My son loves Ghostbusters. He asked me to play that Ghostbusters song, like, once a week. Um, so that's that. But my other, like, favorite moment was... um. Like capturing, capturing, bleh, cap, catching Slimer, like that at the hotel. The drugs are Was it a hotel? In. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gone. Um, and then creeping through the hallways and just seeing that I don't know what kind of technology, quote unquote, they use, but Slimer's like chugging down hot dogs and how they were de- absolutely destroyed the dining hall. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. absolutely just destroyed it, and they walked out like. All right, we took care of it. Came, yeah. we saw, we kicked its ass. Yeah, there was Which that is... scene where Peter Venkman pulled the uh, pulled the sheets. Oh yeah, that was where completely like, improvised. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. not part of the script, but they were doing the scene, and that that literal part where he was like, "Oh, I always wanted to do this." That was him, like literally, like you like, know, always wanting to do. That. I always he always <laughs> wanted to that. do it. Yeah, and at the end, the flowers are still standing. <laughs> so i mean that, that that's one of those lines i still repeat like if i ever like try to remove something from a table or whatever i that's a line that i still go back to to this day sometimes the improv- a lot of good quotes yeah sometimes the improvised scenes are some of the best scenes in movies mm-hmm. you know there's a, like there's a lot of movies where they like there's imp- improvised scenes and or dialogue or you know and it's always the best dialogue you know yeah which, like in Dumb and Dumber with the uh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. Yep, I know what you are talking about. <laughs> yep. Uh oh. Looks like we'll need to watch that too. Yeah. Oh, we better. It's on um, the list. All right. So, Who else well, got well, a favorite moment? I am. Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, yeah, there's. I mean, obviously, like we've talked about so many of them, um, but like. Like kind of like along the lines of what what you said, uh, Stephanie. Like I I like when when you get to that point of where like the the city is excited to see them and you know and like you know everyone's like kind of cheering them on and they're just kind of you know like just enjoying actually being able to you know do what they set out to do and stuff like that. That scene, but, that song in that scene where they're driving up to the apartment building. And they get, dude, that song is so banging. Like, it is so banging. I'm trying to think. Do you remember what song is it? It wasn't though? like an actual, like, song, but it was like a. Okay. It was like a beep bop, like. Oh, okay. I don't know. Cause I, just like yeah, it. Cause... Good job, Stoy. Well, and I. So, like, another. Like, and this is kind of a different thing, but. Like I just love the whole scene of where we meet the marshmallow man. Like the whole like you know, like you know, Gozer uh is like, Okay, well, you know, like whatever you, you know, I'll take the form of whatever you want and everyone's like, Don't you know, clear your minds, don't think of anything, don't think <laughs> yeah. of any don't think of and then all of a sudden, you know, like Ray's just kinda like 
got this fa- this look on his face. And then... I thought of, I was trying to think of something very harmless from my childhood. Yeah, and that was the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, and it yeah. just the funny. It's just so funny that he basically was a kaiju, mm-hmm. <laughs> a yeah. Marshmallow Man kaiju. Yeah. And then, like, like I was talking about earlier, like when they when they roast him, that whole face melting part reminds me of of Indiana Jones when that guy's face melts. They mm-hmm. kind of had a little bit of that look to Marshmallow Man when they roast him because they do that scene where like they cut like right up close to his face and you see like everything melting down his face. <laughs> yeah, that was a sad part. Do we do we know? why gozer did like did that like well, i just i was gonna talk i was gonna go and talk about the mythology of Goz- gozer because i i did a deep dive of it years and years ago but Ooh, okay yeah keep I mean, going jesse well that that's that's for me like i just i was basically my stuff that i was bringing up like i said i mean you know like the slimer's Slimer parts and all that, like we've kind of talked about. Like I loved those, you know. And again, that was it's like just some little backstory on that. Like it was so funny because so they wanted Slimer to be modeled after uh, after John Belushi from you know Animal House, essentially. <laughs> like that huh. just go- that character, and and oh, yeah. you know <laughs> they had uh, the guy had spent like so many days working on models of how they wanted Slimer to look and then he here they come along oh by the way I want you I want him to look like John Belushi and he's like we told him yeah but but no I essentially he didn't <laughs> he didn't make him look like him at all he, he told him that he did and they were like oh it's perfect <laughs> but he but he didn't actually really change anything. He he just went with the the one that he he wanted he liked the most anyways. So but that that whole yeah the Slimer stuff. When did like, John he, when did John Belushi did John Belushi died after this movie was filmed or was it before? No he he died he died uh, when when Dan Aykroyd was writing the script already. Okay all right like, that yeah, was gonna he, say yeah. So like quite a while before they actually made this movie, I think it was. Yeah, it was two that, years. That, I just looked it up. March fifth, nineteen eighty two, yeah. and this movie came out in July of nineteen eighty four. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like that. But Slimer was kind of gonna be that that homage to to Dan Aykroyd or to John Belushi's character. You Why? Know, and, how? So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But how did Slimer become like the face of Ghostbusters? Like, how did he like? Is it just because he was like the first ghost that they caught, or like the merchandising? Cart- yeah, the cartoon essentially. Like, honestly, most of most of the uh, the popularity of like yeah, like Slimer comes from the cartoon because eventually Slimer it was Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, that's another thing too, we could get into it, the whole naming of it and, uh, the cartoon that, that was like, basically like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon that existed that was called <laughs> Ghostbusters, you know, right, before yeah. this. And they, they didn't even get the okay to, to get that name until literally the last second of when they were, when they were getting ready to finalize the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. 
because well, there's... They, yeah, they didn't call him Slimer in the movie. I mean, the only reference no. they made to it was where Peter, obviously, you know, Ray came up and he was like, what happened? He slimed me. Yeah. That's great. Actual physical contact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, I was just wondering because, like, he did because, I mean, every time I think of Ghostbusters, I think of, I think of the uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and I think of Slimer, right? And I mm-hmm. and after watching this movie, I was like, why, you know, why is Slimer such a big deal? And I thought maybe, yeah. well, you know, and then I was like, well, I guess it may have. He's kind of like an easy character to market, I guess. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. especially when you got this big merchandising thing, because like ghost when this movie came out, Ghostbusters toys were all over the place. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. an easily marketable ghost to kids. You can't market Gozer to kids, mm-hmm. not even the Zool, uh, you know, dragon gargoyle things like those are kind of scary. Mm-hmm. So like slime or something cute and like, oh, he eats hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. Well, cute, you know, so like, yeah, you market that to the kids. Did they have a toy where you push down on his tail and he just throws hot dogs? Is there a toy like that? I don't think so. No, no just the one where he... no. his eyes pop out. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, this is the one where he actually had his own uh, proton pack that he could wear. And... Yeah. But, yeah, like, I think, and too, like, I, I think part of why he ended up being popular is like the whole ectoplasm stuff, you know, like they could sell, they could sell the, the whole, you know, slime stuff. And Fair. Yeah. Because at that time, you know, like in, you know, like the slime and all that stuff started be get, being popular. The, the turtles, you know, they had the, the, the ooze. ooze that, right. Yeah. That was popular, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Cause like I, I have the, the fire station for the characters and like the top literally was open so you could, you could, you know, drip the slime through the top of the, the tower and make it fall in inside and stuff like that. So. Mm. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, anybody else have any like real favorite moments? Cause like, I mean, I kind of want to talk about the last scene with Marshmallow Man. Cause like that's kind of the scene that everybody kind of thinks of when they think of Ghostbusters too is like the Marshmallow Man, the giant Marshmallow Man city high, building high marshmallow chasing, you know? And like, I was like, right. okay, well, this is a dumb 80s movie, whatever. It's probably just real stupid. It was really well done. I was yeah. shocked at like how well his scale and like how they kind of used the scale of him walking through like a fake city and, and mirroring it under a real city and everybody running away from him. Like it was really well done. I was shocked at how well done mm-hmm. that was done. That mm-hmm. was done in the eighties. Like, I don't know. It was really well done. I like, yeah, no, they, they definitely conveyed the size very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like when he rounds the corner and everybody's like parking their cars in the middle of the city and getting out and he rounds the corner and he's just this huge towering white, puff you know it was it was cool because like growing up you know i watched stuff like power rangers and obviously like power rangers you have the big zords fighting Mm -hmm. fighting the monsters and like that stuff is done terribly and i know a lot of that is the the uh uh the sentai footage right that they bring over to mirror with the american footage but like and I know that's just kind of like part of the appeals that is kind of poorly done, but like it, w- I was, I don't know, 
as someone who appreciates special effects and how they're done, it was I was quite shocked and actually excited to see that it was done really well. Um, yeah. And then, like, at the end when they're like, you know, I said don't cross the streams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need to cross the streams. Are we going to die? <laughs> yes, there's a high probability yes. that we, <laughs> we will die. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the uh it's just such a good movie. Mm. Uh All right, so I guess we can kind of talk about stuff that we didn't really care for in the movie too. Um I you know, Stephanie, you have some stuff in the notes if you want to kick it off. Yeah, sure. And yeah, it's, I didn't mean I, if you didn't mind. I put the the notes in because again, brain fog. I didn't want to forget. Um, well, it's cliché, right? I just really did not find any enjoyment watching you know the introduction to peter vinkman's character in the electroshock mm-hmm. when um there's a male student a female student trying to guess the card that he's holding up um i think even if the guy the the college kid the college boy was right he still zapped him and whether the girl was right or wrong he never zapped her mm-hmm. yeah and he was just super creepy and i feel bad because i love bill murray as an actor which is super creepy. I could, I just, I couldn't. I just could not handle that. Of all the creepy things he did the entire movie, that was the creepiest of the creepiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and a s- side note, and I, I won't spoil it, Stoy, but you know he does get his comeuppance in Afterlife in one of the end cred scenes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that scene was really kind of like especially for it being like one of the first scenes in the movie, it was really kind of cringy. I was just kind of like, Oh my gosh, I don't, what is happening? And I'm like, okay, this was probably really funny in the eighties, right? Different time. You know, it's Bill Murray in the eighties. This was probably, I mean, and obviously this is, this was still super acceptable even up into the mid two thousands to have like this creepy kind of like womanizer character come on to young stupid, you know, quote unquote, stupid college girls. It's such a trope. Right. But like, man, that was super hard to watch. (laughs) And I was like excited when Dan Aykroyd came in and and like ruined this, his, you know, his moves. Like, I was like, Oh my God, thank God this is ending. (laughs) Cause like, I was like, man, I hope that there's not a lot of this in the movie. And like, to be fair, the only other part that was like super creepy was when he like kept getting Sigourney Weiner. Wow, Sigourney Weaver to <laughs> let him in. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep going. Uh, and he wouldn't leave, right? Like that was that was also pretty creepy. But uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, his it was cringy. It was cringy. But also, yeah. I just kind of like okay, '80s movie. Let's just push through it, right? You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff with, especially like. In the seven, like the seventies, also with like Animal House and you know mm-hmm. uh, movies like that, and it's just oh, man, gosh, even even like uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, some of that stuff was creepy too. Like mm-hmm. it's just like oh my gosh, let's just yeah. let's move along. I can, like if the scene was only like a minute or two, it wouldn't have been as bad. But the scene was like like five or six minutes long. <laughs> I was yeah. like oh my gosh, yeah. I well, get it. Yeah, and a lot of the, you know, like, there is so much rape culture, too. Yeah. 
like in the eighties. That is just like, it's just insane that that was ever something to be thought to be funny or laugh about, you know, like it's, it's just crazy now to, you know, to see, to see that and just be like, wow. Yeah. People really miss. Let's it. not go that. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I'm not denying the, the culture, but I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that what? far. What? Like, like, uh, likening, and and I may catch flack for this, but likening Peter Venkman, um, you know, trying to cheat this test with this college girl to rape culture. No, I I'm would, no, I'm not. I, I wouldn't I'm put not, those two together. No, well, that's why I said, like, I said th- this movie was fairly tame for its time compared mm-hmm. to a lot of the stuff that we were seeing. No, I was like, I wasn't really going that okay. far All with right. it. No, I was just saying, like during that time, I mean, there was there was just a lot of crap in movies that you know at the time people didn't really think twice about. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just like, yeah, no, this movie was tame compared to most stuff during that time. Yeah. <laughs> um, anybody else have anything that they want to talk about that wasn't like they felt like just didn't fit in the movie or they just didn't care for, really? Um, I mean, like, I guess, like, some of the special effects, like, I get it, it was the 80s, they didn't have a lot to work with, but, like, the, especially now, like, the stop motion stuff does not, it just doesn't work well anymore, you know, or, like, I don't know, I thought, like, the laser effects from the, from the, uh, proton, yeah, the proton guns worked really well, like, I thought it, it was done a lot better than some of the other movies from the time, uh, and a lot of the effects were done well, but like the the demon dogs were just like they were so yeah. hard to watch, especially when like he ran out the hotel door and like jumped over the fence to chase him or whatever. It was like yeah, it was just like the still sh- it it was basically just like a still shot, and they just like moved yeah. it across the screen in town. Yeah. yeah, it was so bad. Well, and when the one crashes into the wall at at uh, Lewis's house, yeah. I believe it is like at, at his apartment when he comes running out of the the room and crashes into stuff. Yeah, it's like that part was. Yeah, those were those are definitely a little bit a b- little bit harder. You know, they weren't didn't quite hold up as well mm-hmm. as the other stuff did. Yeah. So, uh, but overall, I mean, I I liked the movie, and now that we've been talking about it, I kind of like have grown on it a little bit i think i i just feel like there's so much cultural influence from this movie and people just love this movie that every time i go into something that i haven't seen before i go in with like i feel like i have to temper expectations because nostalgia plays such a big factor in movies like this and i felt that a lot during this movie but i also it was like a mixed I had like mixed feelings watching it of like, okay, this is, this feels like nostalgia, but it also feels like it was fun to watch, especially for the first time. Cause I had never been like spoiled on the movie either. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't know, uh, you know, Dana Barrett got possessed. I didn't know Rick Moranis ended up being possessed. Like I didn't know any of this. Yeah. And like just seeing the movie kind of come together like that for the first time was kind of was kind of fun, you know. And, and uh, I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad you guys made me watch it for this first episode. 
Yeah, it is kind of surprising <laughs> that you didn't get it get a lot of it spoiled. Yeah, for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's no, like um I mean there's like 80s cultural touchstone movies like obviously Terminator like I've never seen any of the Terminator movies except for like the one bad one or two whatever whatever the fourth movie was. My like I was just like Salvation. I, yeah, I think so. The one that what didn't Man, have I Arnold didn't, in it. I didn't it. mind that one. I didn't mind that one. The one that didn't have Arnold in it and like I was like, "Oh, this is cool, I guess," but like well, it technically had Arnold in it. Well, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> CG wasn't it CG or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was like it a was body a, double. It was a and they, body double, yeah. yeah. And they graphed his yeah. face over, you know, one of those yeah. things. But yeah, uh, yeah. Like Terminator's been super spoiled, right? Everywhere. Star Wars is like you can't go anywhere with like Luke. I am your father. Like you can't, you can't go anywhere. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it was just nice to watch a movie from you know essentially forty years ago that like I haven't been spoiled on. That's so culturally significant to that time mm-hmm. so well yeah, yeah um, a... oh go ahead uh one of the things i liked about the movie and i i was kind of mentioning it earlier is that the mythology of it i was you know i talked about this before how i was a really big history kid mm-hmm. and big into kind of you know ancient mythologies like ancient egyptian uh greek mythology and stuff and um the the fact that they actually went to a deep dive into you know Gozer being a old Mesopotamian and Sumerian god you know back in the day that he was worshipped as like a destructor he was a he was a destructor of worlds he was almost like yeah like you basically worshipped this god so he wouldn't come and destroy your whole civilization which that's what they painted him as and that whole apartment they actually went through a deep dive of how that whole apartment was actually built by an architect that worshipped goes there as a god and they built this apartment as like a temple for him yeah that's why yeah, the top antenna. of it was yeah. yeah that's why the top of it was so elaborately done with like this big gate and all these gargoyle creatures that were at the top so uh go one of gozer's names is gozer the traveler so like he actually travels from other different civilizations and you know basically assume the same form and um technically gozer is not a female Gozer is just a force, and when Gozer would come to uh, come to life, I guess on land or whatever, Gozer would just take the form as whatever, you know. And that's where the whole Stay Puft Marshmallow Man came came into play. And Gozer just presented itself as like a female in front of them ah. when like you know she first presented itself. So that's where I I took that deep dive to be like you know like. Gozer, I think of the movie has like four or five names. Like Gozer the Traveler, Gozer the Gozerian, Gozer the Destructor, and then there were some other ones that were like really complicated names. But yeah, so technically Gozer is not even a female. Gozer is just like a force that just assumes a form whenever it comes down to Earth. Yeah. And in order for it to, you know, you need um, the Keymaster and the Gatekeeper to kind of unlock the gate, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And something really quick on the on the whole Gozer thing. So, um, kind of going back to like uh, casting and stuff. So, uh, Paul Rubin or Pee Wee Herman, as you know him, was supposed to play the Gozer character. What? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but then, but then the the Serbian actress that obviously, uh, uh, what is it? Yugoslavian Slo- at the time. Slo- yeah, Yugoslavian. Slo- 
Slavitska. Waiting, waiting. Waiting. How do you say that first name again? Slavitska Jovan. Slavica. Oh, okay. Slavica. No, that's that's how they pronounced it in something that I watched. But yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Every time I hear someone say Mila Jovovich, I cringe. Oh. Yeah. Mila. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I really I do like the history aspect of it though. I like I like when move like when movies and and even games do that, right? Like I think that's what was so appealing about Assassin's Creed at the beginning, right? And not so much now, obviously, but like that first game was so, you know, even the games that came after was so rooted in history, and uh, even Assassin's Creed Three was super interesting because you know spoilers, I guess, for Assassin's Creed Three, but that whole character kind of revolves around like the unknown uh, uh soldier right and, and uh it was just really it's really cool to see them take something like that and implement it into the story because like you don't see that much anymore right like mm-hmm. what everybody that just thinks of history now they're like oh thor's part of the avengers he's part of norse mythology that's neat you know yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah like, oh. right and not only that, but um, story like the fact that it's uh, I would say uncommon or less popular uh, mythology like that. I really appreciate it. There's a game that I wrote a review on called Roki, um, and it goes into Scandinavian mythology, which that's uh, that's on my list to play actually. Once I uh, I heard about oh. it, I think from your review, and yeah. then I took a deep dive and. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So, but just like not, I'm not trying to go too off topic, but there's a, a deep appreciation not just for putting in something cultural in there but especially an uncommon one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know like for me like you know as a kid like you're scared you're afraid of the dark you know some kids most kids i feel like are afraid of the dark at a certain age until they get you know a little bit older or whatever and some people still are afraid of the dark but like you know i think the whole thing with this movie too is it kind of you know like their whole slogan is i ain't afraid of no ghosts and you know like it's it like it empowers you know you to kind of like look at it as you know like we we really don't you don't need to be afraid of of ghosts and like you know just as a kid just the the idea of just having this cool like you know because i've always just been a tech kid so like having this cool thing that can, you know, like catch ghosts and, and like, you know, I think that's really, you know, it caught on so much. I think just from a tech point, even of just having these such cool, you know, stuff that they used and just, you know, like envisioning yourself being able to be, be one of these ghostbusters and, and stuff like that. Like I still, to this day, I don't own, any of the like replica stuff, but someday I want to own an actual like replica. Uh, but they're so expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I mean, build you your could... own. One of my friends built his own. Yeah, his own pack. <laughs> I've thought about doing that, but oh, yeah, nice. it's... I I've even thought though, like it would be kind of cool to make my own, like put my own flair on it, my own personality into like some of the stuff, and just kind of make my own you know, a different one, but, but yeah, it's there. I think for me, like just as a kid, like the tech and all that stuff was just so cool. And, and well, it was like, all rooted sucked. in reality. Like they actually yeah. provided, I mean, if you 
as a kid, you you kind of glossed over a lot of that conversation, but they explained a lot of it, like you know, analyzing the slime and the goo that the um, you know ghosts would leave behind, and then reverse engineering it to say, here's how we can contain them, here's how we can trap them, so to speak, and here's how yeah. we can kind of do this reverse polarization or whatever they talked about. But like, yeah, there, there wasn't just like, oh, we just build a bunch of lasers that just shoot ghosts, you know? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, do we have anything else we want to say about Ghostbusters before we uh, wrap the episode? I thought this was a pretty good first try at this new standard definition. I'm glad I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I got to talk about it with, you know, fans of the movie, you know. Yeah, I'm 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 curious what you what what you think of the the second one when we eventually do that. Yeah, I mean, I want to yeah. do the second one sooner than later, I think. You know, yeah, it's it, it's not it, it may not hit the same, but I appreciated it for I, I appreciated it for what it was. Yeah. yeah, see, I I like I like it a lot. I know I know that like a lot of people, even in the the Ghostbuster community, you know, like most people like like it, but they don't love it as much mm-hmm. as the first one. Yeah, but but I I I like the the little bit deeper dive into like a like a mythology kind of or not not mythology but the the character and stuff that that you know is kind of the main bad in that one and and like his powers and how everything kind of happens in that movie i think is really interesting and cool yeah yeah and i really appreciate you know you having this as like one of the first uh uh, movies to cover because it was iconic in the 80s you know, it, there was a reboot that's more recent, so people can listen to this and learn about the original if they haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. and we've got a, a wide range of people. We have crazy fans and someone who's never seen it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh. uh, I, I do want to do all four of the movies at least uh, mm-hmm. at some point, like probably within the next month or so. We'll record that, or next, you know, six weeks or so. I mean, I'm. I, I what I what I want to do is like kind of talk about each of the movies, especially like I know the the all female Ghostbusters movie got kind of a bad mm. rap, but I like I as somebody who's never seen any of them and really wants to see them with fresh eyes, like I'm really excited to do the rest of the series. I really am. Like after this mm-hmm. first one and talking to you guys about it, like I'm really excited to go in and like talk about the rest of Ghostbusters because. As somebody who's who's always seen it from afar, I was always wondering because like, like I didn't even know the cartoon existed until a couple years ago, Jesse. When we you mentioned it on Arsenal X at one point, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know there was a cartoon. Yeah, uh, and then and then the second cartoon, which is like in my opinion, is super amazing. That I kind <coughs> of always wanted a movie to be based off of the Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah, because that's when they kind of switch over to a new cast, and that's. I think kind of like what this new movie ends up being, but yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I think they did a good job of it, but yeah, there's so much, there's so much stuff out there, like yeah, and that I'm sure a lot of people have have never never watched or seen, yeah, because uh, you know the real Ghostbusters, a lot of people know that one because it it was so close to the movies, but yeah, in the ninety in the the late nineties, early two thousands, I believe is when that extreme ghostbusters came out yeah that cartoon yeah 
so yeah we are planning on doing the rest of ghostbusters uh mark and i are doing are planning like a big mcu rewatch so you can expect that from this show also and just a bunch of random you know kind of nostalgic topics you know maybe stephanie will lead some you know i i it's not always going to be me hosting, you know, but I, you know, especially like the upcoming Disney stuff, right? I think that that would be really cool if, you know, Stephanie, if that, since that was your idea, maybe you could host that. I think that would be neat because, you know. Yeah. When I'm not on, on the spot, I'll definitely. I'm yeah. the spot. <laughs> you know, Stoy, if you have a topic that you want to talk about, like the show's going to have a lot of in- interchangeable parts. So just so you expect that moving forward. I want to thank everybody for listening or watching this first episode of Standard Definition. Uh, you can find it on Sunday mornings on your podcast service of choice. If you want it two weeks early, you can go to patreon.com slash bossrushnetwork. Uh, you can also submit topics of your own and vote on them, which would be great. Yeah, any suggested movies, definitely send them our way. Yeah, movies, games, TV shows, toys, whatever. Send them, send them. Toys. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me on this. This, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, on that note, Jesse's playing with toys in the background. Right <laughs> yeah, exactly. Audio section. The audio uh, we're a very professional podcast. Yes, it's the PKE meter, bro. Yeah, wow. from the new movie. <laughs> yeah. I uh, thank you guys for your time tonight. I know it's as of this recording, it's the day after Christmas, and Stephanie, I know you're not feeling great, so. I uh, appreciate your guys' time. Stoy, where can we find you? You can follow me on the EXP cast. We're also a video game podcast, part of the uh, Boss Rush Network. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram there. And uh, Stoy, M-K-E-8 on Twitter. Cool. Stephanie? You can find me on Twitter at Klimov, K-L-I-M-O-V underscore author. Um, I'm also a co-host of the Boss Rush podcast, and you can find my articles on BossRush.net. Cool, Jesse. You can find me almost everywhere as Phantom NXS, and you can find me at I am Corey HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me hosting the Boss Rush podcast. Uh, you can find a plethora of shows on the Boss Rush network, including. Next to I said, the EXP cast. You can find Nintendo Power Block, Arsenal X, which Jesse and Stoy and I are all a part of, Crossroads, PlayStation Podcast, anything you would like. Also, check out our other Patreon early access shows, uh, including Boss Rush After Dark. I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening. Like, subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you listen. And we will see you next time on Standard Definition. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Doing the Ghostbusters uh, pose. Can you see it? <laughs> <laughs>